A reading from the book of Isaiah, chapter 25, verses 6 through 9. On this mountain, the Lord of hosts will make for all peoples a feast of rich food, a feast of well-aged wine, of rich food full of marrow, of aged wine well-refined. And he will swallow up on this mountain the covering that is cast over all peoples, the veil that is spread over all nations. He will swallow up death forever. And the Lord God will wipe away tears from all faces. And the reproach of his people he will take away from all the earth. For the Lord has spoken. It will be said on that day, behold, this is our God. We have waited for him that he might save us. This is the Lord. We have waited for him. Let us be glad and rejoice in his salvation. First from Luke 24. But on the first day of the week, at early dawn, they went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared, and they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were perplexed about this, behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel. And as they were frightened and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee, that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and on the third day rise. And now from Acts chapter 2. This Jesus God raised up, and of that we all are witnesses. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray together. Lord, in your kindness and in your mercy, we ask um, in this moment that you would do the thing, Lord, that only you can do. And we ask that you would, by the power of your spirit, shine light on these words that are in your word. Lord, would you shine light on the words that I've prepared Lord, would you shine light into places in our hearts where light, Lord, so badly needs to be shown? And would you use this moment, this time, and these words to great effect in our hearts and in our souls? Lord, and would you use them specifically today to give us deep, abiding hope in our Lord Jesus? And it's in his name that we pray. Amen. Um, some of you all know that my wife, Mandy, um, is a photographer. So um, 15 years ago, she photographed her first wedding, and this is what she does professionally. Like She's a professional photographer. And when she goes to weddings in particular, I often go to the wedding with her, um, which creates confusion because sometimes people will say, Oh, so you go to weddings with Mandy? And I'll say, yes. And they'll say, oh, so are you the second shooter? Second shooter. So you know. But, but if you were unfamiliar with what a second shooter is, let me explain. The second shooter is the person who carries a camera to get kind of extra pictures. Things that the, that the main photographer might miss, but you might want. Does that make sense? And, and I regret to tell you that I am not the second shooter. 
Um, I am the carrier of the things. I am the errand person, but, but I'm not the second shooter, and I want to tell you why. Because on more than one occasion as we've gone to these weddings, and I've held a camera and I've taken a picture, on more than one occasion, we could even maybe even say often, When, when we see the photo, we realize something's badly wrong. And, and that wrong thing is often that something that is supposed to be understated and in the background is clear and sharp. And the thing that is supposed to be the focal point in the foreground will be fuzzy and unclear. In other words, it's hard for me to get the focus. And on more than one occasion, after getting photos back, um, Mandy will uh, show me a photo and say really nicely, "Um, babe, what were you seeing here? (laughs) Question mark. And, And, you know, when it's me as a photographer, when I go with her to weddings, maybe it's funny. But see, what would be less funny is if it could be said of a preacher or a pastor or even a church. That the things that are really supposed to be understated in the background are crisp and clear, but the thing that is supposed to be the focal point in the foreground is kind of fuzzy. And in fact... To make sure that a church or a pastor or a preacher or a people gets the focus right, it actually takes all kinds of care and diligence because it is easy to miss. But the good news on an Easter Sunday is it gives all of us here a chance to grab the lens and turn it just so, so we can see together the main thing that is honestly the only thing. Certainly the only thing we have to announce and proclaim. It's certainly the only thing that gives a church a sense of life and vitality. And it's this thing I'm going to say it to you now as clearly and as plainly as I can. Jesus Christ, the one who became incarnate, who took on human skin to live among us, that Jesus. Jesus Christ, the one who became incarnate and who was crucified, who went to a cross to win forgiveness for our sins. Jesus Christ, the one who was incarnate, the one who was crucified, is un mistakably, undeniably, the most true thing I could possibly say, very, very, very much alive. See, Christ is alive. And the main thing that I want you to hear today on this Easter Sunday, 2023, is just that. Christ is alive. Christ is alive. Jesus lives We serve, we follow a Jesus who is alive. And you all, we, me, we've been made alive too. See, Christ is alive and we've been made alive too. 
And to unfold this for you in these few moments, I want to turn your attention to just one line from this sermon that Peter, the Apostle Peter preaches in Acts chapter 2. It's in verse 32, if you want to take a look there. This Jesus God raised up, and of that we are all witnesses. So in our time together, I just want to unfold that one piece at a time. This Jesus, talk about that. God raised up. We'll talk about that. Finally, and of that, we are all witnesses. So let's begin this Jesus, Acts chapter 2, verse 32. This Jesus. It's really helpful to know that Christianity is not, at the end of the day, an idea. Christianity, at the end of the day, is not what we might call a worldview. Christianity, the Christian faith, our faith, your faith, my faith, is not a philosophy. It's not primarily a moral ethic. It's not primarily a feeling of feeling something spiritual. Now, our faith contains these things. Our faith contains ideas and doctrines and truths. Our faith gives us a way to view our world. Our faith has a philosophical tradition, a moral ethic. And God is so kind to give us a sense of his presence in the emotional part of who we are. But see, our faith, at the end of the day, is ultimately about a person. And that person's name is Jesus. Christianity is not about something as much as it's about someone. And this Jesus, the Bible teaches, is the exact imprint of God's nature. If you have ever desired deeply inside of you to know something of what God is like, the scriptures teach us that God is exactly like Jesus. In fact, it's Jesus who reveals to us most ultimately who God actually is. And the scriptures teach us that this Jesus, the one who's the exact imprint of God's nature, nature, that you and I have union with him. Everything that is true of Jesus is true of you. Everything that Christ has, if you are in Christ, is true of you. All the strength that belongs to Jesus gets to be yours. All the access that Jesus has to God the Father is yours. This is what the Bible is talking about when it says that our lives are hidden in God with Christ. Are hidden with Christ in God. It means that we have been made united to our Lord Jesus. Your union with Jesus is your salvation. And this is true and it's life-giving because the second part This Jesus, verse 32, God has raised up. See, when Peter is preaching here at Pentecost and he talks about this particular Jesus that God has raised up, he means at least two things. 
First of all, God has raised him up in the sense that he was dead and now he's defeated death and been made alive. The scriptures teach us when the, that when Jesus is raised from the dead, that death itself is defeated. Its, its sting is removed. Now, you might be here this afternoon, and you might be thinking, but it's still pretty painful. And death is still pretty stingy. And you're absolutely right about that. Because death's final defeat is still yet to come. Katie read about this, that one day death will be swallowed up forever. But the fact that Jesus has been made alive, when we preach and proclaim this resurrection of our Lord Jesus, you can know that something wild and fresh and new has been unleashed into our world for us. And it has the power, this truth, to change your particular situation. And and let me just tell you the truth. It won't actually make your particular situation easier. That is not the promise See, the promise is that into your particular situation, this rare and precious thing called hope begins to emerge and grow. And hope is a hard-won thing. Hope is not easy. Hope is this vulnerable, constant clinging to the promises of God, especially when you don't see it and feel it. You know, I, I cannot possibly know all of your exact situations this afternoon. But if we were to sit down and you were to tell me of the aches and the deep pains and the deep sorrows in your life, you know, I would not be able to look back at you and give you any easy answers. wouldn't be able to give you any clever techniques to get over it. But what I would be able to say is something like this. I am sorry. I ache too. But what I do know is that Jesus Christ is alive. And that has the power to give us something like what the Bible will call hope. Now, there's a second piece. This Jesus God raised up. If if the first raising up has to do with his defeat of death, this, this second raising up has to do with his rule in the world. The creed that we confess talks about Jesus having been crucified, died, and buried. On the third day, he rose again from the grave. He descended into hell and on... And on the third day, he rose again from the grave, and he ascended into heaven. And from that place, he will come one day to judge the living and the dead. See, in our faith, we have this category. 
that our Lord Jesus, the one who was incarnate, the one who was crucified, the one who was raised, is also the one who rules. Though the wrong is off so strong, our Lord is the ruler yet. Now this means that you're constantly in the life of faith going to have to trust that things are not quite what they seem to be because it doesn't quite seem that Jesus rules the world, but the scriptures teach us he most certainly did because this Jesus, God raised up. What this means is that the most powerful being of the, in the universe that rules the world is also the most kind. He's also the one who's most for you. The scriptures teach that Jesus Christ, even now, as he rules the universe, that he prays, he makes intercession for you and for me. See, this has the power to change our situation, your particular situation. And I can not possibly know all the fears or all the worries or all the troubles that are weighing you down on this Easter Sunday. I cannot possibly know those things. And if we were to sit down and talk, I couldn't give you any easy answers, any clever techniques to get over it. But what I could tell you, I could say something like, I'm sorry, I have fears and worries too, but what I do know is that Christ is alive. And he is here. He's here to help. This Jesus, God raised up, and of this, we are all witnesses. When Peter announces that we are witnesses of these things, yes, he means that he has met and spent time and shared meals with the resurrected Jesus. But in the fuller plan of God's redemptive work, what he means are that you and I are witnesses of these things. In other words, if we belong to Christ somewhere deep, deep down in your bones, you know that it is true. Because it has happened to you. We in this room this afternoon are a collection, actually, of resurrected people. And when people in the resurrection story witness the resurrection, they just start telling. They just start talking about it. And then they just start living. They just start living alive because they've been made alive. Y'all, as the pastor of our church, I have this unique and precious and privileged position. Because I get to look out in a room like this one on days like this one. Every Sunday, we gather here, and I get to kind of look out into the room. And I just know some of the very unique pains and aches and fears and worries that are, that are present in this room. But also because of my position, I get to see the way the stories begin to unfold. I get to, if you will, witness Friday 
where darkness is beginning to brood and pain begins to set in. I get to see and witness, if you will, Saturday where things are are really dark and really rainy and really quiet and really silent and really long and really painful. But I also get to see Sunday, if you will. I get to see the way that the Lord Jesus Christ has been making us all alive. I get to see bones that were dry. I get to see the Spirit of God breathing into them and making them alive again. See, we are a community of resurrected people. That's that's what we are. This Jesus who God raised up, we are all witnesses of this. And as we conclude this afternoon, I want to read you just some words of witness from right here um, in this room. Joel, thanks for writing. Thanks for giving me a chance to participate in this. I would just say Christ has made me alive. He continues to increase my trust in him He's led me into something like a supernatural peace. I'm finding that I don't have to stress about the future because God holds the world in his hands, including me. I hope that's helpful. I'm not going to tell you who it was. Here's another one. Christ has made me alive. He promised me his presence at all times. And that impacts how I walk through days parenting a child with disabilities and very complex medical needs. Christ has made me alive. Christ has renewed me from a life of aimless wandering. He has given me a faith that I know I was not able to come to on my own. He's kept me in his hand during a season of unemployment, and he's been beside me even when I've been in despair. Another one, Christ has made me alive. He's making me long to experience his pursuit of my heart through all circumstances, In contrast, I used to long to be allowed to die. Here's another one. Christ has made me alive. He has brought me out of a season of deep depression again, and he's continued to surround me with his love and truth through the godly community he's placed all around me. Another one. Christ has made me alive. He's given me so many gifts, and in each of them, I can see in each gift the ways in which he's calling me to himself. Christ has made me alive. He's produced faith in me. Faith has never been the easiest thing for me, but I have it because he's given it. Christ has made me alive. He's softened my attitude toward others. Christ has made me alive. I'm a witness. His spirit by his word has changed me. Christ has made me alive. He has redeemed me and given me purpose. Christ has made me alive. He has patiently and lovingly equipped me for a life I never anticipated. I would not have chosen a life with more hope, difficulty, and joy than I could have imagined. Christ has made me alive. He's demonstrated his love so wholly and consistently by guiding and growing me that I know I can trust him and I can truly be myself, his daughter. Christ has made me alive. 
He has thawed the parts of my heart that have long been frozen by fear. Christ has made me alive. He's begun to turn my mourning into dancing. He's given me freedom to dance even when weeping. The two can exist simultaneously. Christ has made me alive. He's forgiven the unforgivable. He's healed deep wounds. He's silenced my shame. He will keep on keeping me. Christ has made me alive. He's made the old prayer, quote, to you, to know you is eternal life and to serve you is perfect freedom, end quote. He's made that prayer resonate afresh for me. Christ has made me alive. He's made Simon Peter's words, Lord, to whom shall we go? You alone have the words of eternal life, and we have believed and have to come to know that you are the Holy One of God. He's made those words ring richly and steadily, even amidst all the chaos of life. Christ has made me alive. He has freed me and frees me still from my performance-based, people-pleasing tendencies. Instead, I've found rest and freedom in his abundant grace. Christ has made me alive. He has grown my heart and compassion for others in ways I could not have ever grown on my own. Christ has made me alive. He's provided for everything I need in the midst of having a child with disabilities. Christ has made us alive. Of that, we are all witnesses. Amen. Let's pray.